The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. Today, we're going to discover Alta Sea. It's a new ocean innovation center, and it's on the pier in the port of Los Angeles, California. And my guests today are Jenny Crusoe. She's executive director of Alta Sea. Hello, Jenny. Hello. How are you? Oh, good. And with uh, Jenny is also Sandra Whitehouse, PhD, and Sandra is the chief science officer with Alta Sea. Hello, Sandra. Hello, Rob. I'm thrilled to be here today. Well, I'm glad you both made it. Jenny, how are you surviving the rains of California? It seems pretty wet out there. Well, we have a greener L.A. than I've ever seen. There's hills here that I've never seen anything but brown. Um, But it's great to have some weather in Los Angeles. Well, we all need water. I'm lucky you to get some. Yes. I mean, you know, it doesn't solve our problem, and in a way people think it does, but it's nice to have rain and wind and waves at the port of Los Angeles. (laughs) Yes. But you still need more, you're saying. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's well, deceptive. It's what? I said it's deceptive that, you know, all this rain, yes. because, but the, the drought, it still continues. Oh, boy. Well, every bit helps. Yeah. Sandra, um, tell us a bit about, um, you know, Alta Sea. What's the, um, or no, tell us about some of the problems that the ocean are facing. Thank you, Rob. Uh, I mean, Jenny has, has hit on one of them. I, I call these changes that we're having in our, in our climate global weirding as opposed to global warming. And certainly, you know, the impact of climate change are felt very profoundly uh, on the ocean ecosystems from increases in water temperature uh, that are changing the way ecosystems function, uh, certainly, sea level rise is something that many people who live in coastal areas are c- concerned about. Um, and then ocean acidification, which is the actual change in the ocean's chemistry because of how much uh, carbon dioxide it has absorbed. Um, so, you know, I think climate change is, is a huge challenge, not only for the oceans, but for the whole world. Um, and then there's many other uh, issues such as overfishing, um, habitat destruction that we're seeing worldwide, uh, and pollution such as nutrients and, and uh, plastics. Uh, I mean, there's many challenges that the ocean are, is 
facing. Um, and of course, many of these are also interlinked. Yes. And we're seeing these, you know, ocean dead zones and harmful areas for animals, which is all kind of inter- interlinked to it. Uh, are there opportunities for the ocean to provide solutions to these problems? I believe so. I think uh, we are very focused on trying to actually uh, work on those at Alta Sea. Um, you know, as I said, climate change is one of the uh, big impacts that the ocean is facing, which is driven by our burning of fossil fuels. The ocean provides an opportunity with vast amounts of offshore renewable energy. And if, they c- if that can be done sustainably, uh, that certainly is an opportunity to use less carbon. Um, here in the United States, we, are, uh, we have many fewer wind turbines. We only have five in the water right now in the entire United States in my little hometown of Rhode Island. <laughs> Uh, But we do have have a lot of other projects that are um, in the pipeline, uh, including some here on the West Coast for having potentially floating wind platforms. Um, You know, this has been done in the UK, in many other European countries. Norway has been a leader in the offshore wind uh, development. You know, and we, we have to go into that very much aware of any potential impacts on uh, commercial fishing folks or environmental impacts, any impacts on marine mammals, uh, but with good information uh, that we want to work to collect, we, I think we, that is possible. Um, the other place where I think there's, a, there's an opportunity in the oceans uh, to provide uh, humanity with what they need is with the with the dramatic increase that we're seeing in the human population worldwide, um, our fisheries, our wild capture fisheries, are remaining static. We are already at or beyond what we can sustainably take from the ocean in terms of wild capture. Um, but aquaculture, again, if it can be done sustainably, especially with sustainable species such as bivalves like mussels and clams and oysters you know, we'll provide an opportunity for uh, mankind to be able to get more protein from the oceans. And, um, you know, it's important to note that in many parts of the world, uh, protein from the ocean is the sole source of protein that people are able to get and acquire. Um, in fact, a third of the world's population at present relies on protein from the ocean as their sole source of protein. So, you know, I think those are those um, energy security and food security are two opportunities that we can help solve world pro- problems uh, by appropriately using our ocean resources. Yes, absolutely. So you've so Alstar Alta Sea has come together with a vision and, and mission that addresses these um, these challenges. Jenny, tell us more about the mission and the mission and the vision. Um, I'd like to start with what Altacy is because I think that's a good place to start. So, um, we are a multi-tenant nonprofit that has been created um, to uh, redevelop this amazing, what as you described, pier, but it's a 35-acre pier at the southern tip of the port of Los Angeles into this campus of innovation where we're pulling the, the best thinkers from all sectors together 
to create rapid solutions to what Sandra has described are the world's most, you know, pressing challenges, such as the food security, the protein security, as, as, as Sandra talked about, energy security, climate security, and then exploring the 95% of the ocean that is unexplored. So our vision um, is to have an ocean that will sustain our future generations and, and be treated in a, in a way that is, uh, you know, respectful and, 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 and saves the ocean. And our mission is, is kind of threefold. We want to accelerate scientific collaboration um, with our partner, which is the Southern California Marine Institute, which is comprised of 22 universities and colleges, and then also to create jobs in the blue economy, because in the Port of Los Angeles, many of the traditional industries of the 20th century have, have left. There's no shipbuilding, there's no canneries, um, you know, a lot of the fishing industry due to overfishing isn't, it, you know, isn't, it doesn't have the job generation that it's had, and containerization that came to the port in the 1960s have cut the jobs down um, uh, by a, a great percentage. But that's also the reason that we were a nonprofit for this use was, was given a 35-acre slip of property is that it can't be used for container offloading because <coughs> it's landfill. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm going to let Jenny uh, uh, call for a moment. And, um, and then the third piece is really to inspire the next generation to be part, to study STEM uh, you know, st- STEM subjects and become part of the blue economy. So it's really these three folds together. And I'm going to let um, yeah. Sandra talk about the cluster. Model. Yeah. So, so you know, clusters um, have been proven uh, to be useful on, uh, with respect to other issues. Um, there's clusters that have been created, for example, around biomedical research. And, you know, we, we, uh, we know that uh, bringing many entities together uh, creates something that's greater than the sum of the parts. You know, our role at Aldacy is really to uh, create and convene and curate these clusters uh, with representatives from these, these scientific business and education communities and we are focused on certain uh, issues um, because the, the model is not to just take, you know, one um, business or NGO that's working on one issue, you know, and just piece by piece, but to really put these pieces together in a strategic way. Brilliant. It's really impressive. I was fortunate to be able to come down and Alta C was good enough to host Ocean Champions holding a uh, State of the Ocean event, and it was just great to be able to find my way through those big cranes. I don't mean the birds. I mean the dockyard cranes uh, down to your waterfront. Tell us about the campus. It's quite spectacular. It's just a unique piece of property, and I hope folks that are listening will go to our website, altasea.org, and see the pictures of it. But there's You know, our our value proposition is that there's 4,000 linear feet of access to seawater and you're five minutes away from deep water because we're, as I said, the the southern tip of the Port of Los Angeles. Um, And and it has existing uh, spaces that are are huge, 
warehouses. The one we're starting with is 180,000 square feet. So it's very flexible and it all has direct access to the water. Um, and it has great um, seawater quality so that scientists and, and, um, and innovators that are working in research and development will have access to, to um, testing in, in seawater. Um, also, it's, um, the LA waterfront is, we're just part of one, uh, we're one pearl in a string because uh, we have part, our neighbors that are the uh, San Pedro Public Market and that's all being redeveloped. So we're, we're part of a, a whole movement to create a, a beautiful LA waterfront that in the 21st century is exporting ideas. And um, so we're very proud of, to be the caretakers of this property with our landlord, the Port of Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I urge people to visit the website. Uh, Jenny, what's the website again? Um, Altasea, A-L-T-A-S-E-A dot org. Um, You've got and, some spectacular drawings there of future plans. Yes, we're very proud to have Gensler as our architect, um, and their conceptual designs of the campus have already won two major awards, and Architectural Digest has named it one of the most important projects in L.A., um, and so we're very lucky with the partnership with, with Gensler, and it's just beautiful. So what are some of the initial clusters that, um, you know, how did you decide to focus on those particular ones and stuff? So uh, this is Sandra. I'm going to uh, answer that. Uh, when I arrived almost two years ago, um, you know, a lot of groundwork had already been done. A lot of uh, entities had expressed interest in being at Altacy. Um, but as I said, like our, our job is to, is to be the curator. Uh, so I really did extensive interviews with people from the scientific community, the business community, as well as a number of local educators you know, to define what, what their needs were and try to see what the opportunities it, we would have in terms of partnership with Altice. Um I also spoke to people around uh, the world. There are other places where some ocean clusters that have, have been started, although none of them have all three components that we are working on. This is really a, a unique project. You know, but I wanted to make sure that we were not going to be in direct competition with with other any other ocean clusters, um, and that we would be working on something where we could really add value to solving the ocean challenges. Um, so I, you know, and just to be candid, I also wanted to uh, go put every idea through the lens of what could be funded. Uh, so we talked to a number of both private and uh, public funding entities. Uh, so that's where we came up with the two initial clusters that Aldacy decided to focus on, being sustainable aquaculture and blue technology. Um, and specifically under the blue technology cluster, the research, development, and deployment of underwater robotics. This is fascinating. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and learn more about uh, Aldacy and, um, you know, you've tickled our interest with robotics, and uh, we're going to learn more about aquaculture endeavors that are happening. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforocean.com. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're talking today about blue technologies and aquaculture. We're talking about Alta Sea down on the piers of the, Los, the Port of Los Angeles. And uh, with me are uh, Jenny Caruso, who's the executive director, and Sandra Whitehouse, uh, the chief scientist of Alta Sea. And so tell me about um, the sustainable agriculture cluster and... Um, why Alta Sea decided to focus on specific aspects of that? Yes, absolutely. So first, you know, let me reiterate what I said before about, uh, you know, the world's food security and how important that is with a a growing world population, uh, with growing protein demands, 
uh, putting more stress on the ocean with respect to overfishing and the opportunity for aquaculture to meet some of this demand. Um, I also want to make it very clear that we are defining this as a sustainable aquaculture uh, cluster, emphasis on the sustainability. Um, aquaculture has been done in many other parts of the world uh, where, that have caused uh, you know, dramatic habitat destruction from uh, pulling up mangrove forests to you know, uh, nutrient pollution. Um, so when we looked at this, we really wanted to make sure that we were going to be working uh, on aquaculture in a sustainable way. Um, and that's why we were, were really uh, uh, thrilled that our business partner in the sustainable aquaculture is Catalina Sea Ranch. Uh, they are a company based here in Los Angeles that has the first permit in federal waters uh, for an aquaculture farm in the United States, uh, which is really a big deal. They have, um, uh, it's not easy to get a permit for, uh, you know, a new activity, and they went through fairly extensive uh, review. Um, they're also very extensively monitoring uh, their project. Uh, I think they're going to be harvesting their first crop of mussels actually this coming week. Um, blue mussels are their uh, species that they're working on. They're inherently sustainable because they f- are filter feeders, uh, just taking their food from the water, um, not requiring antibiotics or external seed. Uh, the other thing is that off of the San Pedro area, the continental shelf is very uh, well suited for uh, aquaculture for blue mussels because it's adjacent to an upwelling area, so there's a lot of uh, nutrients coming up from the deep waters. Um, the other uh, piece of this cluster from the scientific perspective is the uh, USC. University of Southern California, uh, they are working already closely with the Catalina Sea Ranch folks uh, using basically selective breeding techniques to be able to grow mussels that not only grow faster with with larger amounts of meat, um, but also that can withstand some of these uh, climate changes such as changing water temperatures or ocean acidification. Um, and then our, our partner, our main partner in the education uh, piece of our cluster is the Cabrillo uh, Aquarium. They have a wonderful facility, uh, an aquatic nursery that is uh, growing abalone from uh, spat, which is the, from the eggs and sperm, the very beginning of life for abalone, uh, which is a shellfish. Um, and they are hoping to ultimately have these to be able to do restoration uh, in the wild for some of these species that are reproductively extinct. Um, But more immediately, they have a wonderful program with school children coming through, teaching them about uh, aquaculture, and they're very keen to expand their operation at Altasea. So uh, between Cabrillo uh, Marine Aquarium, USC, and Catalina Sea Ranch, you know, we feel that we have a really good foundation for this cluster. Um, and one, one more thing I'd like to just say about this cluster is, as Jenny talked about, the jobs. You know, it's very community, important to not only the local community but L.A. community at large that we uh, at Aldisea are looking at creating 
uh, jobs along a broad spectrum of edu- levels of education. Um, and so, you know, there's some people who are going to want to be out on the water, working on the aquaculture farm, running the boats. There's other people who are going to be hopefully part of the managing and marketing of the aquaculture products. Uh, operating the aquatic nursery, uh, you know, up to the PhD level of folks who are going to be designing some of the scientific work associated with this cluster. Um, so we feel very confident that whether you're, a, you know, have graduated from high school or a community college or a four-year college or even with a master's or PhD, that there will be not only jobs opportunities but also training opportunities within this cluster. Mm. We're also Great. very lucky to have the Aquarium of the Pacific as one of our advisors. Um, uh, they have taken a leading role in this field um, for a very long time. And so they are helping us and, and partnering with the Cabrillo Aquarium to figure out how to do kind of an education piece uh, uh, around the Catalina Sea Ranch Um the, the Cabrillo Aquarium is one of our founding partners. It has 80 years of history of educating uh, uh, students um, and is just an amazing gem of an aquarium. So the combination of being kind of bookended by these uh, leaders in, in, in the field is, is, is quite something. Absolutely. We're also working with them on an overall communication strategy about aquaculture uh, because many people don't really understand what it is and, and what the opportunities are. Yeah, that's really important because people get so confused by what they're hearing in the media. Yeah. Uh, and it you know, comes, comes back to uh, Sandra's point about sustainability. You know, if people just hear about you know, salmon farms polluting and, and salmon, well, you know, domestic salmon getting loose and stuff. And, and it's not all like that. And it's really important that uh, you guys help, you know, work with the, the pros like the Long Beach Aquarium on uh, how to message that so that people don't get scared away from aquaculture because they think it's bad for the wild salmon or something. Well, and that's why I think this is uh, an opportunity because it's a blue mussel farm to be able to uh, have people really see uh, what it what is all about and, and give uh, the community an, uh, an example of what a sustainable aquaculture project looks like. And also, it's yes. just a great opportunity that this is the first one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of, of the things that need to be addressed in terms of monitoring and, you know, the best practices are really being created at Catalina Sea Ranch and will de- be disseminated to the other companies that I'm sure will, will follow suit in federal waters because of the huge need for protein from the ocean that is sustainably grown and farmed. Yeah, that's interesting. You- you talked about the um, the offshore um, program, the Catalina Sea Ranch, as being you know like more than three miles offshore, right in federal waters. So, for you guys off California, that's pretty deep water, right? Well, that's one of the reasons why this project uh, wanted to be located here on the San Pedro Shelf, uh, because it is an area where there's more of a, a platform of water that's not as deep. But again, it's also adjacent to very deep waters, so they have the benefit of the upwelling and uh, additional nutrients coming up from the deep, cold waters of the Pacific. And so that, they can anchor stuff there because it's not too deep. 
And, and what are they growing again? Blue mussels. Blue they mussels. Have, um, I'm, I'm getting, oh, go ahead. Uh, they have plans to expand to scallops, and they have plans also to expand to kelp. Yeah, the scallop market is everything in New England. It's it's way up there. It's one of the biggest, um, uh, most valuable fisheries we now have, and and in part because they can do it so sustainably. Uh, and to take it another step, these guys, you know, I've, I had a chance to see their their product, and it, it's really exciting that. Uh, but they're able to do that, and, and we don't have to worry about the scallops getting loose and going away because, uh, like you said, they're three miles offshore and all that and deep water nearby and stuff. Um, this is really exciting. Well, and just to be clear, the mussels that they're growing are also growing on every pier in, uh, in, the, in the port, but they can't be harvested yeah. there. They don't have this as high quality. So this is not a species. This is a species that is native to the area. That's important to be clear about that, and the same for the scallops, I guess, too. But, uh, yes, thank you. Uh, this is great. It's local seafood. Um, we, we are now going to try to take another short break, and we'll be right back with uh, Sandra Whitehouse and Jenny Caruso. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforocean.com. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take me to the river. 
are listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're talking today about blue technologies and aquaculture. We're talking about Alta Sea down on the piers of the, Los, the Port of Los Angeles. And uh, with me are uh, Jenny Caruso, who's the executive director, and Sandra Whitehouse, uh, the chief scientist of Alta Sea. And it's just really interesting the way they're pulling together science and business and education all coming together. And we've been talking about some of the businesses, and uh, we got through one cluster. Uh, Sandra, tell me about a second cluster that doesn't seem focused on a particular ocean challenge, but that there are places where blue tech clusters are launching. And, and why did Alta Sea decide to make, you know, some of these their initial clusters? Well, thank you for the question. Um, you know, certainly our sustainable aquaculture cluster focuses on a specific uh, ocean issue of the, uh, the need, you know, for food security and protein from the ocean. Uh, blue technology and the development of underwater robotics are really being used now to address real, almost all of the ocean challenges. Uh, there are robots being developed to go down and explore uh, parts of the ocean that have never been explored before. Only 5% of the ocean floor is actually even mapped. Um, underwater robots are being used for uh, conservation purposes by fisheries managers uh, to test for uh, the chemistry of the ocean. Um, so really one of the reasons we decided to focus on this cluster was that it's such a rapidly expanding field. Um, and certainly there are other places in the country where uh, blue technology is being developed. Um, there's uh, businesses in San Diego. There's businesses in Massachusetts. Uh, there's, you know, there's other places where this is being done. Um, but I think here in um, Los Angeles, we really have uh, enough, uh, significant partners that have identified their interest in being part of this cluster that it's very valuable for us to include this as one of our initial clusters. Um, there are really um, people and companies that need the waterfront space to either research uh, or launch uh, their, uh, their equipment. Um, so just to talk a little bit about who our, our uh, current partners are uh, within this space, sort of our anchor tenants in the Blue Tech cluster. Um, we have uh, Boeing in conversation with us about moving some of their Echo Voyager program here. The Echo Voyager is a very large unmanned uh, vest, under, underwater vessel uh, it's about 30 feet long, and it's designed to be able to carry as well as to, uh, pick up fairly large payloads in places like deep sea trenches and also under the Arctic sea ice. Um, it can actually go 7,000 miles without needing any human intervention. So oh. very, it's amazing. I mean, you know, we, could, we can be uh, – they are – 
can go under the Arctic ice in a way that we've never been able to do before and, and see, uh, you know, what's happening there. And so it's a huge opportunity and Boeing's obviously investing in this program. Um, they've also recently purchased a company called Wave Glider that makes smaller underwater vehicles that look sort of the size of a surfboard that go in the upper water column to look at um, temperature and pH and ocean chemistry. Um, so they're definitely our, our uh, significant partner in um, the Blue Deck cluster with respect to a very well-known business, obviously. Um, with respect to um, the academic piece, as Jenny said, our SCMI, Southern California Marine Institute, uh, 22 universities, many of them have blue tech uh, programs. Um, there's also Caltech that obviously is a natural for this kind of work. Um, and we are very thrilled that we have Dr. Robert Ballard and his uh, exploration vessel, the Nautilus, currently berthed at the Aldersea Dock who is just a genius in the public education realm. You know, he's certainly, he's known for discovering the Titanic, the Bismarck, many other uh, sunken vessels. He also discovered the first hydrothermal deep sea vents on Earth, which were a whole new way of life that nobody knew existed. So, you know, he's not only an educator, he is also a scientist and explorer, but he has wonderful programs developed to be able to have school children from around the area uh, come and see the vessel and his underwater robots, but also electronically be able to see what he's doing when he's out at sea through live feeds into classrooms. So having uh, Dr. Ballard and these very strong uh, academic partners, as well as Boeing as a potential partner, was really one of the reasons that we decided that putting effort into the Blue Tech cluster was going to be beneficial for uh, the community. Yeah, I would think so. Congratulations on getting all those premier, you know, world-class partners involved. Um, well, I miss having Dr. Ballard not in Woods Hole or Mystic, Connecticut anymore, but our loss, or in Falmouth in particular, but our loss is your gain, I guess. <laughs> well, he is actually an L.A. native, and uh, which I didn't know until recently, um, but he's doing for the next probably decade most of his research in the Pacific, as he calls it, wow. the, big, the bigger puddle. Uh, so, you know, Altacy is going to be his base um, for, for um, that period of time and probably uh, in longer than that. He's interested in having some exhibits uh, being done at Altacy. Um, you know, I, I also just want to emphasize with respect to the Blue Tech cluster, this idea of, of creating jobs along a broad educational uh, spectrum uh, you know, we have uh, folks who are going to be able to be building these underwater robots. Uh, the people who are going to operate them, it's somewhat like op playing a video game, except it's a very expensive piece of equipment. Uh, we have students who are training to be mechanical and electrical engineers who are very keen to have real-world work experience and internships you know, all the way up through the scientists who are going to be designing and implementing uh, the research projects that are done from, from 
uh, not only from the uh, Nautilus, but also as part of the, of the Boeing project and the folks within the SEMI institution. So, again, we feel confident that this is going to be a resource for the community uh, for many uh, different job opportunities. That's, that's great. I would, yeah. That is, and yes, Dr. Ballard... Great. Dr. Ballard... Yes. Is, um, the, doctor, is, the geologist. It makes sense the geologist would want to be by the biggest pond. <laughs> <laughs> Go what ahead. I was going to say is, is Dr. Ballard kind of embodies what we want to do to inspire the next generation um, to, uh, you know, to be part of these STEM jobs and to, uh, to support a sustainable ocean. When he talks to middle school kids, they are just so enthralled with him and he, you know, is, I want to go where no man has gone before on planet Earth. And his education programs led by his team are just amazing. And NautilusLive.org that follows what they're doing has 23 million followers around the world. So it kind of connects people. Um, yes. So we're very proud of, of his um, partnership with Altacee. And also the fact that last night we were able to announce that he's are now our exploration leader for Altacee, which is really cool. Well, that's great. So that's on board and ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have well, a um, Okay. Well, let's, let's talk more about educational programming. So um, we started from um, when Altacee became uh, its own nonprofit a little over two years ago. The board of Altacee made it a priority priority that we have education programs off-site because obviously we're in the process of developing this campus. So we started with um, a discovery lecture series that is um, going strong at the, uh, the Cabrillo Aquarium. And we use the brain trust of the Southern California Marine Institute to do lectures. Um, we videotape them and we provide them for free online with teaching tools so that the, the network that is already involved with uh, all our partners in LAUSD and, and uh, the schools in Long Beach and Palos Verdes can use all of these tools. Um, so we're, we're very proud of that program. Um, we also were competed for and got the Goldhirsch LA 2050 grant, which is, uh, supports what we call our STEM network, so the companies like Catalina Sea Ranch and Blue Robotics, which is a small uh, blue tech pro, um, are, uh, company, are joining with educators um, to give workshops really targeted at middle school kids um, to get them interested in these new industries and new technologies, as well as supporting Dr. Ballard's work and expanding it uh, to two more districts, uh, which involves uh, professional development and curriculum, and then live streaming to um, Hercules, the ROV that's that's on the Nautilus. So that's all very cool. Totally. <laughs> and then one of our other big partners is um, an amazing program, the Los Angeles Maritime Institute, in which they have uh, uh, they have made two tall ships, and they they put the kids amazing percentage of kids in Southern California haven't even seen the ocean, let alone be, you know, on the ocean. 
So um, that grant also supports putting um, students on these tall ships and teaching them to sail and teaching them, you know, kind of hands-on, immediate ways to navigate um, these vessels. Um, I was surprised that when I went on and, and saw the program that they put the kids in the mast Hmm. And um, and they have a great time. I mean, they have harnesses on, so it's safe, but it's like they're climbing these masts of the tall ships. But we're also able to use their amazing educators to join with these small companies that have never been educators, like from Blue Robotics. So the Blue Robotics are going on the tall ships, so the robots go out to sea and... Um, so this synergy that is kind of the basis of Altacy is, get, you know, getting everyone together to fulfill the mission of Altacy um, is really coming to life. Um, and part of the, of the discussions with Boeing is, is that they will be part of this and have internships and, and be part of the, the core value of what Altacy is, which is creating this pipeline of, of kids that will be part of this, these industries in the blue economy. That is fabulous. And it's so meaningful for youth to get to sea, to get out on the ocean, but then to have to work with the technicians and the scientists and the researchers, you know, in order to deploy the equipment, the boat has to go this speed, and so you have to learn how to adjust it to that, and you learn how difficult it is to get everything to work smoothly together and how you have to be responsive or else things will come unwound. It's, it's really, really fabulous hands-on learning. And then you're taking it to the, uh, you know, to the um, virtual world kind of connections where you've got this Boeing underwater craft that has all kinds of online linkages for students. And we're, you know, a whole new area of citizen science is to have citizens just looking at all this data that's streaming in, especially visual data, that the scientists just can't, you know, have the time to spend to go over it and stuff. So what a wonderful synergy you guys are pulling together there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I, I see that you also are doing some interesting science, scientific research. Yes, um, Sandra, I'll, I'll definitely speak to that. Um, two of the projects that we have funded recently uh, are underway. One of them is on harmful algal blooms, uh, which are phytoplankton species that cause, uh, create um, toxins, basically. Uh, it's known as red tide commonly. Uh, we have uh, funded uh, some work to be done as part of the Southern California Coastal Ocean Observing System for monitoring to be uh, taking place actually at the Altancy site. Of course, this provides us another opportunity to teach uh, students about how we test our waters. Um, so that is going to be uh, ongoing, I believe, for, for the next year, and we'll be using that information not only for education but also, you know, as part of the, the observing system. Um, the other project that we have is called Shark Lab. It's got a, a kind of cooler name than harmful algal blooms. Uh, it's led by Dr. Christopher Lowe um, at California State University, Long Beach, um, and he's basically taken tags and put them on uh, sharks that haven't been monitored for their movements before, um, and really by being able to tag and track the movements of these large marine predators, 
using these advanced technologies, it's really it's a, really a public outreach tool for people to start being able, as you said, to visualize uh, what's taking place under the sea surface. Um, it's also uh, in collaboration and part of the Southern California Acoustic Telemetri- Telemetry Tracking Network. Uh, so it's part of a larger um, program. Of course, for us, you know, everyone's interested in sharks, especially students. Uh, so it's just another way for us to um, engage the local students in something that really we see as part of their STEM education. This is a great example of you being comprehensive. You know, the, the charismatic megafauna of a shark, it just doesn't get more interesting than that. And so kids are just you know, really interested in learning about those sharks and stuff. But your harmful algal bloom research is using the water that's right by the docks there, right by, you know, when you visit Alta Sea, there's the water. And, and it's so important to be able to interact with the water right at your feet. And many, many, you know, few people get out on the water compared to the number of people that walk the shoreline and go down to the shores. And so you're showing with the harmful algal bloom research you know, you're answering questions that people notice on their own backyard, in their own front yard, in their own beaches, you know, of, of what's, why is the water like this? And more importantly, is there slime on the beach? And uh, I don't like that. And, and so it's really bringing it home and not just keeping it far off, of, you know, chasing whales or sharks or something. So it's a fabulous combination. That's great. And I should say the Shark Lab has a website that went live in September for people to be able to to track uh, these various, um, you know, ocean, important ocean and charismatic creatures. Um, but, you know, we totally agree with you. Our, you know, our mission... Well, Sandra, how do you get to the website? How do the how I, people see the website? Did they go to your homepage or... We have a link to... Yeah, uh, our, on our own org. there's a link to the website. There'll be some interest, so thank you. <laughs> And also the Discovery Lecture Series tools, are, are there's links to the videos there on our website. Yeah, that, that sounded really interesting, too. Sandra, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, oh, no, please go ahead. I did. I got my website. I'm all set. <laughs> okay. No, I, I was just, I just wanted to um, thank you for your comment about, you know, the importance of people seeing science in action. Uh, because we think that's a way for, for students to get in, you know, involved. And we are in partnership with many other wonderful institutions, you know, not only schools, but the uh, various aquarium in the, in the area. Uh, but I think we provide really a unique opportunity for students to, to visualize how, how, how science is done. And I think very importantly, how this science is applied uh, by the private sector, by these companies that are uh, using science to, uh, you know, to run a business and to create new products that ultimately we think will, will help mankind and womankind. As one of yes. our board members says, it will be the, the most cool field trip in LA when we have all these, um, you know, elements together. Um, we were instrumental in bringing uh, SpaceX to the Port of Los Angeles. They are across the channel from us because their uh, drone vessel that Falconry lands on is, is too heavy for our wharfs. But it was quite a day um, a month ago in San Pedro when the rocket Falcon came through the, the breakwater here. 
Um, and, you know, all the kids were, you know, it's like, it's real. It's a 21st century technology in, in, in the Port of Los Angeles. And, and rockets are pretty cool. Not as cool as sharks, but they're cool. Or underwater oh, robots. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of cool stuff. But I, I, it all, it's nice to bring it home again, you know, to have people understand that, you know, you have people in their own communities going down to the shore with a secchi disc to see the water quality. It enables and empowers people to, to share that what they know about the ocean in their own communities and their own places, not just, you know, out of sight off in some ship and stuff. So it's very, I, I love the comprehensiveness of it. It's not an either or, but um, you, you have clear ways of bringing it home again so that it's not just some distant vision that's way out there with swimming around with Jacques Cousteau or something, but it's right at home as well. This is really, really fascinating. We're running out of time. Um, uh, Sandra, what do you, what are, I'm going to ask both of you for some uh, kind of takeaway thoughts um, for the Alpha Sea program. Well, I would say that this is really an opportunity for us to address some of the challenges that the ocean's facing. I mean, my involvement in the project is because I believe that, um, you know, we need to have the ocean be sustainable for the next generation. Uh, that means being kept healthy, but also being able to be sustainably used for, you know, our, our benefit, whether it's for renewable energy or, or uh, food or other, uh, you know, for other issues that we're facing. So, um, and of course, as a scientist, I think it's very important for the scientific community to be fully engaged with the uh, business community and be providing what they are learning to inspire the next generation. So I think this is a really unique project. The uh, site is physically amazing and unique uh, with its water frontage and long uh, dock space as well as relatively high water quality. So I think it's going to be something that's really going to be a gem for Los Angeles. Yes. Jenny? I mean, I, I feel that this beautiful piece of property is such a gift because it's a place where innovators and pioneers and adventurers and people that want to kind of push the envelope of the status quo can all kind of work together to explore and create solutions um, you know, I think of it as a kind of a place for everyday heroes from the larger-than-life folks like uh, Dr. Ballard to the students that will kind of be the heroes of the next generation that are following in his wake. And, and, and I think creating this campus where, you know, it's so flexible and, and changeable and we can just go with the kind of the, the uh, power of the human mind to, to create uh, solutions is is so important. I mean, the fact that this is a place of of um, where this these kind of solutions can be brought together and can inspire and can really use the power of the ocean and the power of the human mind to come together is very important. Yes, it is. And so, tell us one more time, Jenny. How can people uh, get in contact with you and learn more about Aquacy, Altacy? So the best way is our website, which is altacy.org. Um, I'll spell it because it's a strange name. Actually, I should explain the name. It's Alta is high ho it's high hopes for the sea. So it's a l t a f e a dot org. There's a contact us there. 
um, sign up for our, uh, we have uh, two newsletters. One is a newsletter that's about all to see called Beacon. And then Trending, we publish online every uh, month with the, the um, news from the ocean and what the kind of, you know, uh, education of what's going on in the ocean that we compile from, from many different um, news outlets. So please sign up, um, and I'm going to do what my staff has always told me to do, follow us on Facebook, friend us, or follow us, on, and become part of our uh, Twitter network, and that's how you find out what All to See is about. Jenny Caruso, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your interest in All to See. Thank you, Rob. And Sandra, thank you. Yes. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you all for listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Until next time, please take care of yourself, and then try to take care of this planet, starting with the oceans and our coasts and shores. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Yeah.